Amen. All right, John chapter number 5 tonight. John, the book of John chapter number 5. As you find your place, if you're able to, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word tonight. John chapter number 5. For those of you that uh, didn't know or weren't watching the news this last week, obviously Monday night, the city council voted to uh, get rid of the mask mandate although they came out and said they highly recommend that everybody wears a mask and everything else. So I'd encourage you as a church to pray. Uh, Obviously, we're not going to turn around and start running the buses on Sunday, uh, but pray about what we can do. Uh, Pastor and I have already been talking. I know he's been talking with Brother Brett as far as the bus ministry and other things going on. Uh, So just pray. Pray that numbers don't spike up, uh, because that's really what they're going off of to where then they're really going to buckle on down. Uh, I was reading earlier today that in the meeting, some doctors and some nurses from Mosaic uh, were involved in the city council meeting and some of the things they were throwing out with some of the stuff that's going on in Europe. And if you're not following kind of what's going on in Europe, there's another big rise that's going on in Europe with another variant of this uh, pandemic strand, this COVID strand. And so now there's talk about that coming to the States and, and everything else. We've got some friends that are stationed in Italy and they are still on lockdown and been locked down now for over a year. They've got five kids on a lockdown. He's in the Army. So he, he's currently in Afghanistan on a deployment, and so Miss Shea's at home with the five kids just enjoying life. So <clears throat> pray, pray, pray that we'll able, be able to get back and, and going. Uh, I, I, I know I've mentioned in the uh, last couple of weeks, I, know I've, I think I've mentioned a couple of people, but you know, we've got some big plans going on for the, for the Sunday school wing. Uh, if you've been back in the Sunday school wing, you notice there's nothing on the walls I took the trip out to Ohio just a couple weeks ago to pick up material that's going to go on. I mean, we're going full steam ahead. And so pray, 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 pray that we'll be able to get the buses back up and and get people get back out and get back involved. So, all right, let's get in the message tonight. I'll be honest with you tonight. I haven't felt the best all day. Cole knows that. Miss Emily knows that. And so this might be a really, really short message. I said it might be. It might be. Uh, But I'll be honest with you. It's one that I've really enjoyed. It's been... uh, enjoyed studying. And so let's look at John chapter number five, and we're going to begin reading tonight in verse number one. The Bible says this in John chapter number five, verse number one, the Bible says, after these, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain seasons into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Verse number five. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. So for those of you just math wizards, 38 years old, Abram. He's 38. Well, not 38 years old. 38 years he's had this infirmity. Okay, good? Good? Awesome, awesome. Verse 6, the Bible says, When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. 
And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews, verse 10, therefore said unto him that was, uh, that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Lord willing, tonight we're going to preach along this thought. Nothing special, just a miracle. Nothing special, just a miracle. Father, we thank you for tonight. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity it is to be able to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for this passage of Scripture and even studying it these last couple of days. There's so much truth, we're just going to scratch the surface tonight. And I pray that tonight's message would be an encouragement. Lord, it's been an encouragement to me, thinking back even to the service Sunday night in a specific song that the Wolframs, a Wolfram family sang. Lord, it's so easy for us to realize that miracle, the miracle of salvation that took place in our life, we just kind of lost its luster, if you would, God. We don't think about it. We don't consider the magnitude of what Jesus Christ did for us. Lord, I pray tonight that we would look at this passage of Scripture, not only glean from it, but Lord, we'd be encouraged, encouraged to reach this community for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the Gospel of John is very different from the other three Gospels in, the, in that its primary goal is not necessarily to give you and I a historical overview of the life of Jesus Christ, but rather John's purpose is to exalt the person of Jesus Christ. As you study the book of John, you notice John's writing is very specific to Jesus Christ. And so as John pens the Gospel of John, his purpose behind the whole book is to show Jesus Christ of who he really is as God's Son. John would pen these words in John chapter 20. He said this, "...and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples." which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. So we look at the Gospel of John, and, and, and we got to realize this tonight, that everything that Jesus did or said was to point people to Jesus Christ, to Himself, to salvation. There was nothing that Christ did that pointed at His disciples, or there was nothing that Christ did that pointed people to the, the Roman government. No, no, everything that Christ did and everything that Christ said pointed people to salvation. Whether it's the woman at the well, whether it's our story we're here in John chapter number 5, whether it's Lazarus, whatever the case is, everything that Jesus Christ did, His purpose was to point people to salvation. And that's, a good, that's obviously a good reminder for you and I that in everything that we do when it comes to ministry, when it comes to our life, even our day-to-day life, whether we're at school, whether we're at work, whether we're with the family, everything that we do ought to point people to Christ. There was no hidden agendas with Jesus. There was no... Uh, There was no innuendos with Jesus Christ. Everything that he did, his sole purpose was to point people, like you and I, to God the Father, to salvation. But in order for Jesus to be elevated to the proper position, the proper level, if you would, John presents Jesus differently in each chapter as you go through the book, uh, the Gospel of John. And so John gives us a look into Jesus' life that is very unique. John gives us a look into Jesus' life that's very personal. He gives us a look into Jesus' life, life as, as, as a human being, as a, the compassionate God that He was and the Savior that He is. And so we get into John chapter number 5, and before we even get into John chapter number 5, we've got to look back at John chapter number 4. And in John chapter number 4, we read two very, very profound 
uh, uh, situations or stories, if you would. The beginning part of John chapter 4, we read about the woman at the well. And that's a very familiar story. I mean, we, we understand that, that Jesus was traveling. He had to go by the way. He told his disciples, by the way, of Samaria. And so he goes to Samaria, goes through Samaria, meets a Samaritan woman. And the amazing thing was, wasn't just the fact that the Samaritan woman got saved, but if you go back and you study John chapter number 4, the Bible tells us this in verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. And then verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. And so by the time Jesus is done in this specific city, revival has broke out because he went what? He went to the Samaritan woman, somebody who no one else would have gone to. Christ went to the Samaritan woman. He, he, melt, he uh, dealt with her spiritual need, if you would. She was going for water. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You need living water. You need the water that's going to last for all eternity. He deals with the woman. Then, he, then she goes into the city, explains to the city what's taking place, and then revival breaks out. And it's like, man, it's like a hallelujah. All the disciples are standing back watching what's going on. Like, man, this is, this is unreal. I mean, we shouldn't even be in Samaria. There's no way we should be in this area. There's no, there's no purpose for us being here. And Jesus says, I've got purpose. I've got a plan. There's a woman at the well that needs to hear the gospel. Oh, but guess what, guys? It's not just her. It's the whole city. It's where revival takes place. The latter you further read in chapter number four, you read of a nobleman who comes to Jesus Christ. And this nobleman comes to Jesus Christ and says this, uh, basically, I'm, I'm putting it in a nutshell here for the sake of time. He says, hey, my, my son's not well. My son's, my son's near death. My son's dying. And, and Jesus, Jesus doesn't go to the nobleman's house. He doesn't send his disciples to the house. He doesn't, he, here's what he says. He goes, return home. Your son's fine. Return home. You believe. Your son's healed. And it's, we see these things take place in John chapter number 4. But then we get into John chapter number 5. And look at our context here in, in verse number 1. He says, after these, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So here's Jesus. He's been traveling. He's been ministering. And obviously, as he ministers, I'm I'm sure I've got to believe in my mind and in my heart uh, tonight as I'm studying the Bible and I read the Bible, that Jesus, as he's performing these miracles, as he's doing these acts of kindness and love and compassion, and as he's he's doing this with his disciples in tow watching, there's got to be other people watching along. There's got to be other people that are on the fringe. You know what I'm talking about? Like kind of just people off and kind of looking from a distance and, hey, who's that? And what's, what's that crowd following him? Man, that, that's Jesus of Nazareth. Well, what's so special about that guy? Well, well, man, there was like revival that broke out in Samaria. You ain't heard about that yet? It's not been posted on Facebook yet? I mean, come on. I mean, revival broke out. Oh, hey, and then that nobleman, that nobleman, his, his son was dying and Jesus didn't even go to his house. Jesus didn't even show up. Jesus didn't knock on the door. Jesus didn't lay hands on him. Jesus didn't have an all-night prayer meeting. Jesus basically said, your son's healed. Your son liveth. And that's the testimony of our Lord and Savior. So he gets into John chapter number 5, and, and Jesus moves from, if you would, from Samaria into Jerusalem. Everything that Jesus did up to this point, every miracle that Jesus Christ uh, uh, performed, conveyed, listen, conveyed a picture of God's love for you and I. Bottom line. Every miracle that Jesus did, every miracle, every life every, that was changed and touched by Jesus Christ shows, listen, shows this, shows that God loves you and I regardless of where we're at, regardless of our past, regardless of the predicament we're in at this present state and time. God loves you and I. But in chapter number five, there's going to be a little twist, if you would, to the story. You see, Jesus is going to come into Jerusalem and like we just read, he's going to heal this lame man, this man that's sitting by the pool But look at John chapter number 5 and look at verse number 16. 
going to get a little bit ahead of myself here just to give you some context of what's taking place. The Bible says this, it says, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay Him. Why? Because He had done these things on the Sabbath day. Can I say this, just, just a really blunt, blunt, just straightforward statement tonight? When you and I purpose to live for God, there's always going to be those that are going to be like, no, that ain't happening. When you and I purpose to take a stand for the cause of Christ, there's always going to be those that are going to be like, no, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Let's think about this for a second. Here's a man who is an impotent man. He's a lame man. He's sitting by the pool of Bethesda, and he, he's, he's waiting to be healed. And the Bible tells us he's had this infirmity for 38 years. And I can only imagine, Brother John, as this man's laying there, and, and maybe the stench and the, and the decay, if you would, on his body and, and, and the clothing. And, and I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us if his family came and fed him every day or came and dressed him. I'm not for sure. I just, I'm just imagining somebody who is in a feeble state sitting by the pool, waiting for the waters to move. And here these Jews are, who obviously at this point in, 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 in Jerusalem, in this location, they're walking by, they're seeing what's taking place, and here's these Jews that are critical of a man that was healed by Jesus Christ. And here's what they said. Look at verse 16. They said it this way. Well, hmm, he was healed on the Sabbath day. Hmm. Man, the Sabbath. Don't you know you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath? Don't you know you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath? I mean, here, here he is. He's carrying his bed rug on the Sabbath. Oh, man, this is just horrible. No, 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 no. Instead of them praising God, they're complaining. Instead of them saying, hey, how did this happen? How, man, what took place? I mean, one minute you were laying by the pool for, for 38 years. You had this infirmity and, and you weren't moving and no one was there helping you. All of a sudden you're walking down the street with a smile on your face, whistling a tune. I mean, what took place? Well, Jesus of Nazareth came by. Introduce me to this guy. Man, I want to meet this guy. No, no, that wasn't what took place. They were critical. And anytime you and I take a stand for the cause of Christ, there are going to be those that are going to be critical of the stand that we take. Doesn't matter if you're an adult. Doesn't matter if you're a teenager. Doesn't matter if you're a husband, wife. Doesn't matter. It does not matter who you are. Doesn't matter if, listen, if it's in your own family, if it's at work, if it's at school, whatever the case is, if you and I take a stand for God, there's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some ridicule. There's going to be some negativity. There's going to be some of, listen, there's going to be some of those that are going to be like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Growing up, I can, I can think of many a time where there'd be certain things that my family, my, uh, not necessarily my immediate family, like my brothers, my sisters, but I would just say like my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, uh, different family members, there were certain things that, that they did that my mom and dad looked at us kids and said, you won't be doing that. 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 Guess what? We didn't do that. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. Why? Because it went against this right here. And there was a stand that had to be taken. You say, well, is that a big deal, Brother Andrew? I don't know. I'm the oldest of seven kids, and all my siblings are still in church today. And my cousins' lives are a mess. My aunt and uncle's lives are a mess. Absolute mess. Listen, tonight, there's a reality that there's going to be times where we have to take a stand. And there's going to be those, like these Jews, who we thought were religious, who loved God, who wanted to see the glory of God, who wanted to honor God. There's going to be some that are going to be like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? But you know what? It didn't change Jesus' mission. It didn't change him. It didn't stop him, Brother Philip, from performing more miracles. It didn't stop him. 
He didn't, listen, he didn't walk into the city of Jerusalem and go, well, there's a lame man, and if I heal him, and I'm kind of getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but if I heal him, and then these Jews, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, they're going to mock me. They're going to try to put me. That wasn't Jesus' mindset. You know what Jesus' mindset was? I'm here to do the will of the Father. I'm here to do what my Father wants me to do. Regardless of what anybody else says, regardless of what else takes place, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. So in chapter number five, Jesus goes to Jerusalem for one of the feasts, if you would, of the Jews. And the Jews had three specific feasts. They had the Feast of the Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The Bible tells us that Jesus travels to Jerusalem for this feast. And as he travels there, look at verse number two. The Bible tells us that he goes into Jerusalem, and he goes in by the way of the sheep market. Or we'll say it like this, the sheep gate. And the Bible tells us in verse number two that by this market or by this gate, there's a pool called Bethesda. Now the word Bethesda means mercy. This was a pool of mercy. It's evident in reading our text that there are individuals that sat by this pool desiring mercy from who? Mercy from God. Look at what the text says in verse number four. For an angel went down at certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. But John describes in this passage also that the pool had five porches. Five in the Bible is the number of grace or the number of favor. Give you an example. Benjamin, Joseph's little brother, received five portions of food and five changes of garments. Jesus would use five loaves to feed the the multitudes. Five and multiples of five are found throughout the tabernacle. The fifth commandment, there's ten commandments, so the fifth commandment is the only one with the promise attached to it. So in this picture that, God, that John is giving us, he's showing us mercy, but at the same time, listen, he's showing us grace. He's showing us, he's showing us God's favor all throughout this passage. Before Jesus even steps into this impotent, impotent man's life, God's already shown the mercy, already showing the grace in his life. So there's some things here I want us to see real quick tonight, and then we'll pray and go home, amen? Here's the first thing I want us to see. The picture that God gives us here in this passage of Scripture, number one is this, the picture of religion. Notice verse number one. It says, after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, the Jews at this time were still practicing their religion, their Jewish religion, if you would, in the sense of holding on to the feast. Now, Jesus has come. He's obviously, he started his ministry. He's already performing miracles. He's already outreaching people for the cause of Christ. But they're, they're having this feast, and verse number 2 says, Now there is at Jerusalem, of, uh, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lie a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel. They're waiting for the angel. What are they waiting for the angel for, Brother Andrew? Well, what John says here, they're waiting for the angel to come down and to stir the water. Then the first person who basically steps in, they're healed of their disease. Can I say this tonight, that when I read this and I look at this, and I can only imagine the, the five uh, porches, if you would, and these five specific places around the pool, and, and the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how many, it just tells us that there's a, a great multitude. I, I can a, a, a picture in my mind, if you would, maybe a couple hundred people that are kind of stashed in all these porches, and they're all waiting for the exact same thing, Brother John. They're waiting for God just to show up and stir the water. They're all waiting for something to take place. No, 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 no. They're just, they're just sitting by the pool waiting for something to happen. And they're very religious. You say, why do you say that, Brother Andrew? You do realize what the sheep gate was, right? The sheep gate was where the sheep would be sold for sacrifice to the temple. 
So while they're over here at this pool, waiting for the waters to stir, obviously probably very close to this pool, Brother John, is the selling of the sheep that would go to the tabernacle for the sacrifice. So here you have the Sadducees, the Pharisees, you have the religious zealots of the day, you have the people that desire, listen, that desire a walk with God. They're walking by this pool and they're seeing these people. They're walking by the pool and they're seeing these people in their state. They're walking by the pool and seeing these people that are impotent, that, that, that the Bible describes in a, in a very particular way. Not, many of them not having the ability, even the strength, to get into the pool. But they're by this pool with the hope, with the intention of, if the water stirred and I'm the first one, man, things are, things, my life's going to be completely changed. Man, my life's going to be great. My life's going to be perfect. People come to the pool with all kinds of problems, and most of them getting no help. I don't know, I, we just look at one individual in our text tonight, but I'd imagine, I'd imagine that there's probably a handful of people that have sat by this pool for many and many a year. I'd imagine there's many a people that sat by the pool and thought, well, I'm just waiting for the waters to stir, and if it just stirs just the right time when I get a chance to see what it take place, man, I'm just going to step on in, and my life's going to be forever changed. You know, there's a lot of people that darken the doors of Riverside Baptist Church. They darken the doors and they come in for a service, whether it's a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, refiners meeting, teen night, youth rally, revival service, whatever the case is. They come in the doors of Riverside Baptist Church and they hear the Word of God preached and, and the Spirit of God moves and the Spirit of God works and they just sit back and go, oh, yeah, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Maybe, maybe, maybe when I just feel more religious when I have more of a desire to live for God. Maybe, maybe after God does a few things for me. Listen, I'm thankful tonight that uh, it's not the ceremony, it's not the rituals, it's not the religion that saves me. I'm thankful tonight it's my Savior and the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ that saves me from my sin. These individuals were sitting by the pool, and the Bible tells us this in verse 3, in these lay a great multitude, a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withering, Waiting for the moving of the water. I'm not trying to be mean tonight, but could you imagine the blind person waiting for the water? You ever thought about that when you read this passage? I thought about that, Brother John. As I was reading, I'm like, how does a blind person sit by the pool and wait for the water to stir? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, I just want you to see where they're at. No, 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 no. This is a very bad state for an individual to be in. Very bad state. I mean, could you imagine walking up to a blind uh, Hey, Thaddeus, how you doing today? Well, I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm just waiting for the water to stir. Well, Thaddeus, you're blind. Oh, I, I know that, but I, you know, if the water stirs and I'm the first one to step in, man, then I'll be saved. Then I'll have my eyesight. No, no. Let's put ourselves in these people's shoes for a moment. They're not sitting back going, okay, when's the water, when's the water stirring? Here we go. When's the countdown? Is that time? Is that, man, is that, is it that? No, 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 no. They're just standing by waiting for the water to stir. And waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting. We know this, that this certain man in verse number 5 had had this affirmity for 38 years. I have no idea if he laid by the pool for 38 years. I have no idea if he laid by the pool 30, 20, 25, 2 years. I have no idea. All I know is this, he had the affirmity for a very, very long time. Had it for a very, very long time. These impotent folks waited for the moving in the water to heal them, yet in the midst was the one who had the power to move the water. Here's these people sitting by the pool, 
And they're waiting, whether they're blind, whether they're halt, whatever the case is, whatever their infirmity is, they're waiting for the water to move. And in walks the guy who has the power, listen, who has the power not to step down and just like stir the water, but just has the power and the ability to stir it with his voice. To say, move. Move. Man, here we have Jesus Christ stepping onto the scene and He's looking at the scene that's taking place. He sees the five porches. He sees the great multitude of people. He sees the religiousness of the people that's taking place and the sheep being sold for the sacrifice, for the slaughter. He's seeing people running around. There's a feast going on. So you see all these people excited. You know, man, it's the feast. It's the feast. It's, man, it's so good to see you. How you. All this has taken place. And yet Jesus walks in. Listen, the one that all He has to do is speak it and it's done. And here he is standing, looking at these people, all of them staring at a pool of water. Very religious, very ritualistic. But I want you to notice verse number 5 here. Look what the Bible says. It says, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? I mean, here's Jesus. He comes to a certain man who's impotent. He's... He's obviously, I, I, I'm sure he's probably laying on his side. He's kind of probably just looking at the water at the pool and maybe looking up and trying to prop himself up. I, I'm not for sure. I can only picture it. And, and I can imagine Jesus walking over to him and just kind of kneeling down like this and basically just asking him a very direct question. Look what Jesus says, verse, latter, latter part of verse 6. Will thou be made whole? I mean, very direct question. Jesus isn't like, hey, what are you doing, dude? Hey, what are you waiting for? No, no, Jesus asked a very direct question. He says, wilt thou be made whole? Verse 7, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And the second picture I see here is honestly a picture of ruin. Here's this guy who obviously he'd been there for a while because he had seen the water stirred before. He says that. No, no, look what he says in verse number 7. Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. Because look what he says. But while I am coming, man, while I am coming, look what he says, while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. No, no, no. Picture picture it here. Here's this man. He's, He's weak. He's feeble. He's frail. He has no strength in and of himself. He sees the waters turn. Listen, he knows. He knows, hey, that's, that's, that's my salvation, that's my strength, that's the healing, that's what I need. I've got to get in the pool. I've got to be the first one. Somebody else steps in before he does. Could you imagine, just think about this for a second, could you imagine the discouragement, the depression, the frustration, the anxiety? Could you imagine? Could you imagine being this guy, maybe, maybe he nods off for an hour or two, he wakes up and goes, man, did I miss it? Did, did the water stir? Who, who's not here anymore? Who, who walked out? Who, whose bed is gone? Pretty bad, pretty bad state to be in. He needed health. He needed help. He needed hope. Listen, he, he had to resolve, if you would, he had to resolve in his mind that I'm going to lay here. 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 I'm not going to move. Look, look what he says, verse 7. He goes, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. 
Here's ultimately what he's saying. I've been here, I've, I've been around, I've seen, I've seen the waters stirred, I've seen the waters troubled, and, and as just as I'm about to get in, there's somebody else that steps in before me. Somebody else that steps in before me. But then Jesus makes this statement. Verse number 8. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. In verse number 7, this man gives Jesus a bunch of excuses. You know, I, I've been here, and every time the water's stirred, uh, there's no one, there's no one there, there's no one there to help me. There's no one that can do it for me. There's, listen, watch, watch. There's no one that can give me the, the life and the salvation that I need. There's no one that can do it. All the while, Jesus Christ is standing next to him. All the while, God's Son is listening to every word he's saying. All the while, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, is saying, you don't really need that water. What you need is me. What you need is me. So Jesus says this in verse number 8, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. In verse number 9, And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked on the same day was the Sabbath. Brother Andrew, that, man, that's, a, that's a great story. Man, that, what, what an amazing story. I mean, here Jesus is. He's just gotten done with the woman at the well. He's just gotten done with the nobleman's son. And man, he, he's done some amazing things. And man, then he walks into Jerusalem during a feast and he's at the, he, he's at the pool of Bethesda and, and he sees this man and, and he just looks at this man and says, hey, listen, what's, what's the problem here? What's going on? Aren't you going to be made whole? Well, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. I don't have anybody to put me in the water so I can't be whole. And Jesus simply says, rise up and walk. Man, that's great. That's, that's awesome. That's, man, great story. Great story. But how does that story apply to me? The title of the message tonight was this, Nothing Special, Just a Miracle. When was the last time you thanked God for your salvation? No, 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 no. When was the last time you thanked God for the miracle in your life? I grew up in a, in a home with, with five boys, and having five boys, we played a lot of sports, and so you follow, when we were growing up, man, it was all about sports, 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 you know, sports figures, I remember getting Sports Illustrated, and baseball magazines, all kinds of sports stuff, and you'd see this headline, you know, like, next phenom, special talent, blah, 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 all this stuff. You know what we, sometimes we fail to realize is that when we use the word special, like, oh, that person's special. That person's special. That individual's special. Man, that team is special. Man, that, that, that basketball team, that baseball team, man, they are special. That word special focuses on the individual. You realize tonight that the day we got saved, the day we got saved, that was a miracle. So, oh, Brother Andrew, it was special. No, no, no. It was special, but in reality, it was a miracle. Because as I look at John chapter number 5, I don't see an impotent man. I see Brother Andrew. I see Brother Andrew at the pool, beside the pool, maimed, weak, blind, no ability in and of himself to get salvation. No ability in and of himself to save himself. No ability to make life any better. No ability, no, no special talents, no special abilities to make things better. And here I was, here I was looking at the pool thinking, man, that's all I need in life. 
when in reality, Jesus walked by June 10th, 1991 at West Charleston Baptist Church and said, here's the reality, Andrew. You don't need that. You just need me. And a miracle for the miles took place in my life that day during vacation Bible school. When was the last time you and I really thanked God for the miracle that took place in our life? When was the last time we thanked God for the miracle of camp two years ago when many of you got saved, put your faith and trust in Christ? No, 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 no. It was special. That was a special week. Don't get me wrong. But man, there were some miracles that took place. There were some things that took place that only God could do. But you know, too often we're just like this impotent man. We're beside the pool and we're looking in going, man, I'm just waiting for the waters to stir. I'm just waiting. Man, if I can be the first one in, everything's good to go. When in reality, Jesus Christ is standing beside us going, all you need is me. All you need is me. You don't need anything else. You want to be made whole? I love, look, look what this guy says in verse number seven. Sir, I, I have no man when the water is troubled. Jesus says, wilt thou be made whole? You know, you realize tonight that is a yes or no question. I mean, think about it. Do you want a million dollars? Yes or no? Yes. I mean, right? You're not going, well, you know, Brother Andrew, the tax bracket right now. And it, no, 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 no. If I say I got a million dollars, David, to give you a million dollars, David's not going to go, well, let me pray about this a little bit, Brother Andrew. No, David's going to be like, show me the money like right now. I want it. Mom, you can't have any of it. Zoe, you can't have any of it. No, no, no. This is a yes or no question. And look how this man responds. Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. While I'm coming, another step it down before me. He gives every excuse in the book, if you would. And Jesus says, hold up, hold up. I love it. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And here's what I love. Look at verse number 9. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, walked. The same day was the Sabbath. When was the last time you thanked God for your miracle? <clears throat> The kingdom of heaven is like a physician who became wealthy, having discovered a cure for a fatal disease. After some time, when he knew he would not be living much longer, he decided to give his wealth to some people in real need. One day, he went out into the street and found a man lying on the sidewalk, hungry, hopeless, and almost naked. The doctor took pity on him and extended to him a bank card and said to him these words, Take this card. It gives you access to a bank account with $100 million in it. You must make withdrawals every day for all your needs and to help others as much as you can. The outcast looked at the card. He looked at the physician. He looked at the card again. He couldn't believe anything the good man said. There's no possible way this is true. You're a liar. This is, this is junk. And angrily, he threw the card down at the floor of the doctor. The doctor continued on his search. He found a poor woman in an, uh, in an equally sad situation, and so he made the same offer to her. And she accepted the card happily, but did not go to the bank immediately. And as the day dragged on, she got distracted. As she got distracted by her problems, she lost the card. The very card that could have solved the problems in her life at that moment. Yet she lost the card. She made no attempt to find the doctor. But not long after that, the physician found another man in desperate need and offered him the same deal. The man took the card thankfully and was careful to keep it with him at all times. Whenever, wherever he went, he proudly showed his bank card and spoke enthusiastically about the immense amount of money he had in his account. I'm rich, he said. I, I'm rich. I'm filthy rich. Yet, he's still dressed in rags, still terribly stunk, was 
filthy, dirty, always hungry, and still dependent on handouts from strangers on the street. Whenever he said he was rich, nobody would believe him because he lived just as he did before accepting the bank card. Another woman caught the famous physician's eye. She was in the greatest need of all, deathly sick, thin, and weak. The rich man made the same offer to her. Take this card. It represents all that you need and more. You must make withdrawals every day for all your needs and for the needs of those around you. She took the card in her trembling hands and saw her very own name on it. She thanked the rich man and went straightway to the bank. She walked up to the teller, presented the card, and dared to ask for a measly hundred dollars. She could not yet fully understand the vast riches at her disposal. The teller was a friend of the wealthy doctor and was aware of his offers. She could see the woman's true distress and kindly responded, Is that all you need? You'll earn more money and interest in the time it takes me to count it out than what you're asking for. The woman in total disbelief then asked for what she thought was a staggering sum, $5,000. The woman rented a small apartment, bought food and new clothes, took a badly needed bath, and went to the rich physician for healing of her sickness as well as advice on how to prevent its reoccurrence. The woman began to live as much like a rich person as she knew how, and sought to imitate the only wealthy person with whom she was acquainted, the physician. Following the instructions given her, the woman went to the bank every day to make withdrawals and shared her wealth with others in need. This little parable illustrates for us the truth of what Jesus desires to do for every one of us this evening. He longs to take us from where we are and bring us to where we need to be. Let's not forget tonight we were once like that lame man beside the pool. Desiring to be made whole. Desiring to be complete. Then Jesus passed by. He performed a miracle. And now we have the opportunity to live. Oh, what a Savior. I'm nothing special tonight. But David, I'm nothing special. I'm a miracle. And I'm only a miracle because Jesus passed by. When was the last time you thanked God for the miracle in your life? Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your goodness. Lord, I want to thank You tonight publicly for the miracle of salvation. Lord, all week long, I've just this thought cannot leave my heart. Lord, I want to thank You, God, for saving me that Tuesday morning at West Charleston Baptist Church during vacation Bible school. Lord, I have no idea where my life would be. I'd have no idea what I'd be doing right now had I not put my faith and trust in You. And Lord, I'm thankful, I'm thankful that in my own flesh and in my own sinful state, that You had compassion, You had love, You had mercy, You had grace. And Lord, as I sat by that pool looking in, looking for what could make me whole, ultimately, God, You were right there saying, Andrew, You don't need anything else but me. Lord, I pray tonight that we have not lost the magnitude of the miracle that took place the day of our salvation. Lord, I pray tonight that we haven't just gotten used to being saved and just kind of go with the flow. Lord, I pray tonight that we realize how special, how special it was when Jesus saved us. How special and how miraculous it was. Or what a miracle that took place when we passed from death unto life. Lord, we love you tonight. Help us to love you more. As the piano begins to play, let's go ahead and stand to our feet tonight. The altar's open. When was the last time you thanked God 
Lord, thank you for the miracle of my life. Thank you for the miracle of salvation. Lord, thank